0: How much money can I make? And I remember he turned the question on me and he said, how much money do you want to make?
1: Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, guys, and welcome to another edition of Investing in the US, an Aussie's guide to US real estate. In Los Angeles, I'm Reid Goossens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Today we have another cracking episode jam-packed full of incredible investor advice and inside information from real estate experts here in the United States. As you all know, I only interview the cream of the crop on this show so international investors can cut through all the misinformation out there and start successfully investing in the US. So let's get into today's show. Today's show is all about understanding everything an international investor needs to know about purchasing a turnkey property here in the US. We'll be exploring some of the common mistakes international investors make and how to avoid these pitfalls. We'll also be examining and giving you all the tools you need to know when choosing to do business with a reputable turnkey real estate investment company. And the gentleman in the hot seat to give us all the straightforward info, information and advice is Kurt Davis. G'day, Kurt. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reid. I appreciate it. Kurt has worked as a hotel chef for over 11 years before turning his attention to full-time real estate. Kurt is a licensed realtor for the past six years and has also worked with the first company in Memphis, Tennessee back in 2010 when Aussie and Kiwi investors started buying turnkey properties. So I know Kurt has, has plenty of experience working with foreign investors. Kurt is currently working on his own turnkey platform and is the host of his own podcast, Investor Talk Radio. But Kurt, before we dive into all the nuts and bolts of today's show, can you tell us something that most people might not know about you, unrelated to being a successful real
0: estate investor? Oh boy, Um, probably say in the last 12 months or so, I've kind of picked up the hobby of uh, I don't want to say making furniture, but I like to... Uh, build things that's something i've kind of started tinkering with you know buying nicer tools and you know making things uh for our home around the house fantastic you uh uh, an odds and croft guy by the sounds of it (laughs) you know i never used to be but my wife has kind of gotten me into that a little bit because she's a very crafty person so uh most of my projects have happened because she said they were going to (laughs) happen I think it's the,
1: uh, my girlfriend's the same way, the the, the Etsy phenomenon of, uh, oh, that looks good on Etsy, I'm going to give it a try and uh, trying to, you know, with all these power tools and stuff, it's, it sometimes works out and sometimes doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Kurt, but uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your background and what motivated you to leave your day job? You know, I said that you were once a hotel chef, but what motivated you to get started investing full-time in real estate?
0: Well, it's interesting because when I when I was a chef, I always had this feeling in the, in the pit of my stomach that I wanted to do something different. I had no idea what that vehicle was going to look like at the time, but I just felt that there was something more for me to do. And um, when I used to live in South Dakota, a friend of mine at the time that I knew there for a short time moved to Memphis to pursue a career in Actual banking, but then he got into real estate, and I stayed in touch with this uh, person over the years. And I'll never forget one day I was working at the hotel, and I was stepped out back on a break, and we were talking. And you know, he was in doing real estate investing already. And I remember I we were we were talking about money because I said to myself, "Okay, here's a friend of mine who's actually going to tell me really what the secret is, what's really going on." And I remember, you know, of course, at that time, you know, money's a big motivator. So I said how much are you making? I just wanted to know, how much are you making? And he said, well, we're only halfway through this particular month and here's how much I've made already. And I remember the number that he said was already one and a half times of what I made working as a chef for a whole year. So I knew, I knew that there was something going on and that's, so you could say that my friend made in about 15 days, way more than what I did as a, a chef hourly working for a whole year. So, we stayed in touch. And then uh, I moved to Houston, Texas for a very short time with my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. And it was sadly, it was an awful year of my life. I just went, there was a lot of changes that were going on and and whatnot. And, but my, I I still stayed in touch with my friend here in Memphis. And I remember he called me one day and and gave me the opportunity to uh, come work with him. And I'll never forget this. And, and, you know, and and like I said, before I really knew about this business, you know, at the time I I was focused on, well, how much money am I going to make? Right. So I remember I was having the heart to heart conversation with him when I stepped outside and I said, how much money can I make? And I remember he, he he turned the question on me and he said, how much money do you want to make? Right. And at the time and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not knocking what but the number at the time that I said was I want to make forty thousand dollars a year. Right. <laughs> and and he said to me, he goes, Kurt, if you only make forty thousand dollars a year, I will have failed you and consider <laughs> myself a failure. <laughs> And, and because I trusted this person so much, I remember telling my wife at the time, I said, we have, we have to do this. It's, it was, a it's probably one of the most pivotal points in my life where I remember saying, if I don't do this, I will regret this forever. So we made the decision to pack up Houston and move to Memphis and voila, here I am. Fantastic. Seven, eight years later.
1: That's great. And, uh, I love what you said. If if you if you don't take this sort of leap of faith, you're going to regret it. And I think that's the biggest thing when you're starting out in real estate investing. Um, you're sort of learning the few few steps, and someone you see someone who's doing well, or you un, you start to understand a little bit more, and you're like, "Geez, I've got to get involved in this." And it comes to that that aha moment that the penny drops, and you say, "If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it, and I'll, I'll kick myself if I don't take take the leap of faith." So,
0: so those well are, done. Those were the- And those were the issues that I used to face when I was a chef, you know, it's like you're making X amount of dollars per Mm -hmm. hour Mm -hmm. and you want to go do something else, but you're afraid because now to go leave your career that you've been doing for seven, eight years at the time to start a new job, making a little bit less, it's like you can't afford to take less, but you're scared. So it's like you kind of get paralyzed in a terrible position where you're sick of being there but you're also too scared to leave right and i guess you know this is the point of of these
1: shows and, and i love talking to investors you know we'll get into the topic of today's show which is uh, understanding turnkey investments but understanding the why factor and how all my guests come who come on this show where they've got to and how they've got to that journey it's not easy, you know, and it, and as I said, it, it takes a lot of confidence to do, to, to leave the day job and, and go out full-time real estate investing, but, you know, well done. So I can't, I can't, uh, very, very incredible story. And, and so this was going back when you said seven or eight
0: years ago, you started real, uh, out in uh, real estate investing. I moved to Memphis in the summer of 2007, and that's really kind of when, things started for me you know i was i was fortunate enough at the time when i moved here to like i said i moved here because of my friends so i started working for the company so i i had a slight unfair advantage is, is that i got to learn this business from the inside out as opposed right. to the outside in
1: right and i guess that's that's key as well You know, everyone will have their different story and it's all about giving back and someone reached out to you and gave you a bit of a leg up and that's all it took and now he, here you are so so well done <laughs> absolutely it's been it's been fantastic so Kurt you know the purpose of today's show is to go into understanding what turnkey investments are you you're a turnkey operator and I got you on the show really to understand the nuts and bolts for for international investors you've had a lot of experience with international investors and and I thought you would would be a, a key person on this show so a lot of people out there know may already know what a turnkey property is but do you just want to give the listeners a quick
0: refresher on how it works Absolutely, you know. So, you know, the real question is: is w- what is a turnkey property, or what, more importantly, what's a turnkey company? And a lot of turnkey companies op- operate slightly different than they mm-hmm. do. But turnkey t- to me, and the way I promote turnkey is is having a, ultimately, a full service system in place that you can offer to investors so that you know I hate using the term one-stop shop mm-hmm. but that's sort of really what it is because what our company does is as we go out and we actually purchase uh discounted or distressed property we have the con- the contractors to make the necessary renovations and then we have also aligned ourselves with property management to manage the home for us and our investors so thus I guess I would consider that a turnkey system or a turnkey service that we provide to our investors so that's that's to me that's turnkey in its simplest form right right and, and just to
1: recap you go out you find the distressed property your team goes in there the gc's or general contractor will go in there make the renovations and do you make it rent ready or how does that how does that step work between buying a property doing it up and then on selling that property to an
0: international investor so to, so to speak Sure. A lot of it, a lot of it depends on you know what I tell investors is, is that we ideally sell homes with renovations included. Uh, in the 60 to a hundred thousand us dollar range on average we will do nicer more expensive properties but we typically do not like to go under sixty thousand dollars because we start compromising quality area just all that kind of stuff but we like to think that we renovate these homes to at or above neighborhood condition meaning in a lot of these houses we're actually doing granite countertops in the kitchens we're doing uh, maintenance free type flooring i mean it, it's a I feel that we've really kind of fine-tuned our product over the last 9 to 12 months, and uh, our properties now look a whole lot different than what we were doing, I'd say, 18 months ago. I feel like we're putting out a better quality, a better product home, trying to minimize uh, maintenance expenses long-term for investors. So, But I would say that by the time we purchase a home, it's going to take two to three weeks to renovate it in order for us to bring this home to the market. And, you know, it's kind of like you said, you know, I have worked with a lot of foreign clients over the years, especially like you said, 2010, when the whole currency thing really happened. Back then, there were no financing options for investors. And, uh, you know, I was we, the company I was with at the time, we were kind of on the forefront to actually start putting some financing in place, which was a huge game changer uh, for foreign clients. But we also have the property management in place and the investors can set up direct deposit, things like that fantastic
1: so with all that being said what are the pros and cons of investing in turnkey properties here in the united states
0: you know i would say some of the pros is is that you know everything is everything's done for the investor they don't they don't necessarily have to find the property you know we can we if if we don't have the type of property they're looking for we can get it but the, we do all the renovations, we do the management, uh, finding tenants, d- doing the maintenance, getting the investor there, their, their uh, rental income you know in it so things like that those are a lot of pros. I'd say some of the cons. Uh, would be you know if you're trying to do this on your own without a turnkey system, you have to go out and find your own property. You've got to find a realtor. Your realtor may not know anything about real estate investing. Um, you got to find you know along with finding your own contractors and property management, nobody the, the the thing that I find that's the biggest is is that nobody is looking out for your best interest. They're only concerned about that one aspect. So there's the personal attention and the care I feel is not there when somebody tries to do it themselves.
1: Right. And just to be clear, you guys are investing in single family
0: properties, correct? Residential properties. That is correct. You know, Memphis really is primarily a single family market for the most part. Right. Right. And that's, that's the only market you're focusing right now is Memphis, Tennessee. That is correct. You know, uh, several years ago, we tried to dip into the Atlanta market when Atlanta really became hot and popular, but even though Atlanta is only about five hours away from Memphis, it was it was too difficult. It took a lot more time and energy to try to manage that. And though I felt that we could do it, and we were doing it, we decided to not do it because it was it was taking our attention away from what we were what we were far better at is, is Memphis real estate. Right, right. So Kurt,
1: I mentioned in the intro that you've been working with international investors for some time now, and I'm sure you've seen your fair share of you know massive success stories. But on the same breath, you've probably also seen a few mishaps. So do you want to walk us through what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen international investors make buying turnkey properties and how have you as a company mitigated those risks or those mistakes from occurring for those
0: international investors? Sure, sure. One of the biggest mistakes that I noticed in the beginning is, is that we would get a lot of uh, foreign investors who would purchase simply based on one in the cheapest house. You know, They would see a house that was already fixed up in turnkey for 30 35000 with a tenant in place and the rent was like $500 a month. To them, that that sounded like a no-brainer. And I'm sure if you run the numbers through a financial model, it's going to look like great cash flow and returns. But what nobody really seemed to realize or or, or think long-term about was is that when you're dealing with properties like that, you're in high crime, high vandalism, low income. I mean, it's just, it's the worst of the worst, basically. So that was one of the biggest things that we found. Another thing is, is that, along with that, most of the people who would sell properties like that were not a real legitimate turnkey provider. So they might be able to set up their shop and look like they're a, a turnkey provider for a short time, but they're not going to sustain for several years, meaning that they're going to disappear. So all they can really afford to is to, you know, I hate to say it, but smash the foreign investor over the head uh, with a quick profit and disappear. You know, most of these companies that I've I heard of back then, they're not around anymore. They're right. not doing this, and there's a reason why. So those were some of the bigger, bigger mistakes. You know, unfortunately, uh, one of the bigger mistakes that I that I noticed back then, as well as, is, is that uh, a lot of the, I guess you, you might want to say affiliate companies that we were working with were were a lot of them were based with from foreign companies. So that like like Australians or New Zealanders, they would there would be somebody in their country who mm-hmm. would be the local expert at helping them buy property in america kind of thing right and i felt at the time that they didn't have their business or their priorities in place to truly help these people long term to actually really succeed and win right and you know again here we are five years or less down the road and they're not around anymore Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. uh that to me is the you know those are some of the biggest mistakes and To avoid, you know, to avoid some of these mistakes, I'd say that the investors should really do their due diligence and homework on, uh, you know, checking these companies out first. Uh, you know, how how noticeable are they online? Do they have uh, positive feedback? Can you get referrals from current and past clients? Uh, ask around. Um, you know, do you know if you're gonna buy? Do home inspections? You know, it's. I would almost tell investors to do to to make sure that you feel comfortable enough to invest with that company before as opposed to focusing on just numbers and just cash flow or the or just the in general excitement of buying because I mean there's definitely properties that are going to be here but you you just need to make sure another thing that I w- would always tell investors to do when doing their due diligence on a company is that you know number 1 does that company actually have a physical business location do they have an office are they legit if they are offering management, whether it's th- through themselves or through a, an outside management company, is that management company a licensed management company? Are they operating according uh, you know, to the laws that are set in place with that? Or are they just personally self-managing for you? Because if uh, if they own the home and then they sell it to a foreign investor and they say, well, I'll just manage it for you, If they're not a licensed management company, I, you know, I I hate to say it, but I believe that that's, that's not the way it's supposed to be.
1: Right. Right.
0: So I I think you gave some
1: incredible advice just then on, on stepping through what are the, what an investor needs to look out for. But I know from my personal experience, and I think you hit the nail on the head there is on paper, as you said, you might buy a $30,000 property and it might be like a, you know, a cap rate of 10, you know, 20% or something like that. So how have you changed, or, or should I say, what areas are you now looking at compared to back in the day that, to make sure that the asset that you're buying is, has more longevity? And it might not be a higher cap rate, but you know that instead of you're not going to have as much of tenant turnover or there's not as much crime in the area. So has that helped you uh, focus your business
0: model on purchasing the right asset class? You know, there's a lot of things that really kind of went into it. Number one is, is that's why I say that we try to stick to a minimum of about 60000 or above as kind of the price point where we want to be because, you know, we feel that that's you know, we'll, we can still sell a, a good sixty thousand dollar home to an investor. They're going to get a good physical property. Product's going to be good. Uh, a tenant who, you know, for example, like a house that we sell for sixty grand, that's going to rent somewhere in the seven twenty-five to seven fifty range on average. So you can still get a fairly decent tenant. But th- but like I said, that's as low as it we feel like we're going to want to go. The investors who are purchasing lower than that, they're the ones who are severely burned. Back then, you know, and, and to just kind of tell you one quick story, I remember, uh, you know, call it five, six years ago, we we were actually having a, because back, back then this was uh, pretty popular, we were doing bus tours. You know, the the affiliate, the, the foreign affiliate provider would come into town, they'd be here for about four or five days, and they'd bring 10, 15 uh, clients here and we would, you know, we would load them up on the bus and we'd go for a tour and I'll never forget uh, this provider you know they would they would work with other turnkey companies like us too but you know this weekend they were with us well this one client bought a property from another very i mean I, I would really hate to even say the word he was a turnkey provider he was just a guy who had houses for sale and these people never saw the home and I remember they asked us if we wouldn't mind after the tour giving them a drive by this particular property so that they could see this house that they bought prior to coming here prior before doing business with us and I'll never forget the look on their face when we pulled into the driveway because, number one, there was no, no for rent sign in the yard. The grass was about two feet tall. It was in a bad area already, and the front door was – there wasn't even a front door. There was no front door. And the, and I would hate to even say that the home was actually ever renovated, and they were told that they bought this house renovated. And I, you know, I remember at the time just thinking like, you know, I was watching. It was a husband and a wife, and we were watching this. His, she was bawling. She was crying her eyes out. Yep. And you know, I, I hate to say it, but there's probably many, many more stories like that out there. And it's you know, you can't blame them because they. You know, they were working with this provider who was supposed to be taking care of them, working with legitimate companies. Unfortunately, that didn't happen in that scenario. So uh, that's why it's just ultra critical for investors to make sure that you align yourself with legitimate businessmen and providers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that was that's key to what you're saying. I know I've heard a lot of uh, horror stories back in back in Australia and in the UK of investors buying those sort of properties and they come out to see them and then nothing what they what they saw in pictures or what they were sold on the idea. And so it goes back to what I'm you know this show what this show is all about and making sure that we're getting credible for people on the show um, and, and international investors can take solace in the fact that you know I have vetted yourself, uh, Kurt and. And the, the fact that you got to build a, a credible team around you, and you hit that nail on the head before when you were sort of saying, do they have a a local uh, presence? Do they have uh, a good property management team that is licensed? And I think that that is that all plays into understanding if you're going to be doing business with a credible person. So Absolutely. we we as you know we're talking about five six years ago. How has the market changed, or how has the scene, the turnkey scene, changed over the last five years? Now in 2016. Is it still as strong as ever, or what are you doing differently now and who are your
0: clients these days? I would say that one of the biggest changes in the last you know you just say in five years is the the price prices have gone up a house that you know back in two thousand and ten that we would have sold for forty nine nine with rents of eight twenty five to eight fifty in a in a nice area that's just kind of that's what we were doing at the time that same house now is more like sixty nine nine type range with eight twenty five eight fifteen rent so prices have gone up a lot of that i believe is is really kind of for two reasons number one, just naturally markets are just gonna come back after a big downturn. It's just historically what's gonna happen um but also uh with the hedge funds that came into a lot of the major markets like Memphis and several other Uh, cities where businesses like what we do are doing very well. Uh, Hedge funds came in and started uh, inflating prices because they were paying more to just build these massive portfolios for hedge funds. And some of the hedge funds were successful. Some of them uh, had no idea what they were doing. So they would buy houses and then turn around and sell them within the 12 months at a loss. So prices have gone up uh, significantly. Uh, as far as who are our clients today, I'd probably say U.S. clients are outweighing uh, foreign clients at the time. Um, a lot of it, I think, just is really kind of due to the fact of, of what the currency rates are right now. You know, like I said, in 2010, as you recall, Reid, that, you know, the... the the American dollar and the Aussie dollar were were very similar, and I think at, I think at one point uh, the Aussie dollar was actually a little bit stronger. Which <laughs> <it> was which <laughs> that is that was one of the biggest things that uh, happened. And, and in like, like I said, when when this first started happening for us, then there were no financing options whatsoever. They just had to be cash. And then we aligned ourselves with a local private lending institution who started making high interest private loans, basically we would call them 50% down loans with high interest. And, you know, the terms weren't fantastic, but they were terms that no U.S. client would probably ever do because, you know, they're used to the low interest rates here. But for a foreign client who has no other financing option to be able to buy two houses as opposed to one, I mean, they're going to do that all day long.
1: Right. And, and it also goes back to the change in the market uh, after the subprime mortgage issues that we had in 2008. Lenders are more willing to lend on a group of small uh, single-family properties than on individual assets because they can mitigate the risk over a, a portfolio. So that also, uh, I know that has helped or was very enticing to international investors.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yep, yep. So, Kurt, I know I'm a huge multifamily guy. Do you deal much with any multifamily and commercial real estate uh in your business?
0: You know, uh not as much uh now than as to in the you know years past. You know, like I said, you know, we sell houses on average in the sixty to a hundred thousand dollar range. So, you know, it's it's not difficult for us to say to be able to offer somebody a a duplex, which is considered multifamily. Yep. You know, it, it's not difficult for us to get a you know a two bedroom, two bathroom per side duplex. Uh, each side's going to rent out for five hundred and fifty dollars a month, and you know we could get that and have it fixed up and and. Uh, make a little profit and sell it to an end investor for say, sixty five seventy thousand dollars, and and we have done that in years past, but we've we've held off from doing that simply because, unfortunately, these types of multifamily units are in 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 less desirable areas, and you know by being able to track this progress uh, of just seeing the types of issues that come up for the clients at the time who were purchasing them, we decided that. You know, unless there's a, we would just have to invest in, in better, more expensive areas to make them uh, remotely successful. And that's why I say that Memphis has really been a single family type of market because, you know, there's a handful of companies like us here, and none of us, to my knowledge, are really selling multifamily stuff like that just because either A, the prices are, are, are too expensive or they're going to be. A, a, Too cheap that the investor is not going to have that great experience. Because when you buy a multifamily, the goal is is to, you know, have you know, especially like when you look at a duplex, everything's going great and the cash flow's fantastic when both sides are rented. But if you if you're not experiencing total occupancy on a consistent basis, uh, then your investment really is going to kind of turn out to be a loser. So at the moment, you know, we are not doing any multifamily right at the moment just because it's really we haven't found the right multifamily here yet.
1: Right, that's that's interesting. You say that I actually own a few small multifamilies in that sort of sixty to one hundred thousand dollars range, uh, and, and and one of the issues that I found with that and why I you know migrated into the larger multifamilies, fifty units and above, was that in the smaller stuff, tenants can tend to fight or do something. And, and as you said, if you if you, one tenant moves out, you're sort of fifty percent occupied, and then the other tenant moves out, then you're one hundred percent vacant, which you sort of can go back to um, making sure that you're getting enough cash flow. So, are you seeing that the single families are easier to maintain in terms of keeping the tenant happy,
0: and you have less tenant turnover? Absolutely. You know, if 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 I took a seventy five thousand dollars single family property that rented out for eight fifty eight seventy five, and compare that to a duplex multifamily that's going to rent out for say a thousand to eleven $1, hundred when both units are rented out. Over a five-year period of time, I guarantee you that the single-family property will have better cash flow and better return over a five-year period than the multifamily property will. It's, it's, It's almost a guarantee.
1: Yeah, and I guess the biggest thing you got to look at when you're doing those smaller multifamilies is that on paper they can work, and this is purely from my experience as well. I'm sure you can back me up, Kurt. Is that you really need to look at those small multifamilies if it's a duplex or a triplex, and it is under the commercial limit, which is five units or more. You need to sort of look at them like two separate single-family properties, and if you're only renting them for four hundred and fifty, five hundred dollars each, but the combined total is you know a thousand. That sounds incredible. You've got to remember who's renting four hundred and fifty, five hundred dollar duplex in, in in a town where you could, you know, you could rent a whole single family property and have the whole place to yourself for eight fifty as you're saying. So I think it goes back to understanding the type of tenant and, and that's back to, you know, you having your processes in line, Kurt, and and making sure your property manager is getting the right tenants in there. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you how your company makes sure that they get the right tenants, they screen the right tenants and make sure that they stay there
0: long term you know that and that's and you know I can't stress enough is that you know property management is going to be the absolute most critical aspect to an investor's success long term. I mean, I feel very confident that we're going to sell an investor a good property, we're going to do a uh, you know, we're going to do a really nice renovation, but having property management in place good property management place is going to be the key and that's why I feel that the relationship that we have with our current management company they only focus on two-year leases and nobody else here in Memphis is doing two-year leases consistently like what we do and we also get uh, very high security deposits as opposed to what a lot of our other management company competition I guess you would say is doing so from a from a management standpoint our management company that we have aligned with is very very good but as far as some of the screening processes you know they look to make sure that they make three to four times an income of what the rent is they do background checks criminal background check checks uh they check to see if they have any current evictions or judgments against them um credit score is not really a determining factor whether they're going to be able to rent or not just it's it's just not they look to see you know do they make the money? Are they, are they, in, and are there any issues? You know, they do tenant background checks, uh, things like that. And then if they can if they can meet all of these requirements, it's a it's a good chance that they are going to be approved for the property.
1: Right. No, that's, 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 and that's key, making sure that as an international investor, you're vetting that sort of process and making sure that they're going to go through those checklists with the tenant to make sure that they're going to pay their rent on time and you're having a quality tenant in place. I know from personal experience, you're right having good property management is is key and making sure that you see those processes making sure that those tenants are staying there long term because they're putting a security deposit down they're having a bit of a background check and so having all those pla- those things in place helps an international investor uh, or any investor have a peace of mind that they're getting good quality tenants they're working with the right people so that that's
0: that's really really incredible stuff. And, and, and another thing to read is that, you know, a statistic that, you know, that you know a lot of people don't know about is is that in Memphis, it's I think the, the last the last time I heard it was 45 to 48% of our current population here rent As opposed to owning homes so the good news is is that nobody really likes to talk about vacancy and and, and things like that but the the, the hard reality is is that uh, your house is gonna come vacant at some point in time whether the tenant moves out at the end of two years four years or whether the tenant breaks their lease and moves out six months into their lease but the good thing the good statistic about what I just said is is that when the tenants move out there's a lot of people looking to rent. I mean, the, the percentages are very high. The The rent is still very stable here. The strength of the rental market has is has, has held pretty well. Um, yeah, yeah, around Christmas time and, and things like that, do things slow down a little bit? Sure, they do. They slow down everywhere. But the the rental strength and stability is still very, very good here in Memphis. And I think that's one of the statistics that I personally feel is what keeps Memphis a very, very relevant market for people to own rental property, and especially long-term. Memphis is going to be relevant, I feel, longer than a lot of these hot markets that just kind of pop up here and there.
1: Right. No, and I think that was some great advice just then, because some of what you just hit on... Uh, sort of not the selling points, but why people people ask me all the times like, "Read, why would I buy in you know the Midwest?" and and the the answer to that is well, you have a high renting population because uh, one people have either been burnt back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, they don't want to ever own a property ever again, and they're just happy paying you know eight fifty or nine hundred dollars for a quality, uh, safe, clean house or or apartment, uh, and that's the real reason, the driving force behind why i tell international investors to purchase in you know outside your tier one cities and in sort of what i call tier two cities so would that that goes back to your statistic of 40 what, 40 47 is that correct that's correct. Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, uh, Kurt, you've actually given some incredible advice uh, on how to purchase turnkey properties here in the United States and really understanding what it is involved to making sure that you vet the, the turnkey property provider. Um, so I, one last question I wanted to ask you is once you've on sold that property to the international investor or the American investor – where did, Does your role still continue or how how do you then make sure that that property is performing at its peak and giving the peace of mind to the investor?
0: This is where I feel that the turnkey process really kind of comes into play because anybody can buy a house, fix it up, and, and try to sell it. And then usually the, the idea is that when the house is sold, everybody's done. I'm done. So I've sold it to you. I'm out. But in our business, I really feel like kind of the work is just starting – because okay now we've sold the home do we have a tenant in place already yet if we do great you know what kind of maintenance comes up like with our company we we have a we have a a maintenance guarantee period where anything that happens to the home within a, a specified amount of time we're going to cover uh, make sure that the investor doesn't take that account. Nobody's going to get that if you're not buying from a turnkey process. So you know that's something that we monitor. We are also here on a customer service side. So if our clients have any issues, they're supposed to contact us so we can help remedy them and get them taken care of. And you know we're looking long term. If we, you know we we want to, I would probably say on average over a over a three year period, we're going to sell on average three to four homes to an average client over that time span. So obviously if things are going well and they're happy, they're going to continue to buy from us. So that's what we do is we try to ensure what we can to make sure they have a good, good experience. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to cover everything for everybody, you know, with, but you know, within reason if if there was something on our end that we could have done better or or that got missed, sure. We're going to absolutely take care of it. But I really feel that it's the type of service that you get, after the sale is what really kind of separates good turnkey companies from great ones.
1: Yeah, and I think that's just the way the turnkey industry has, in in from my outsider's point of view, coming to the United States has changed. Because as he, as I said before, there's a bit, has been a lot of horror stories, and there's and as you said that some of these companies aren't around most of these companies aren't around anymore and the companies that are still in business are in business for a reason and and the reason is that that after sale value that they provide to the investor by taking care of you know additional maintenance if something goes wrong or just making sure that they're the boots on the ground and it goes back to what you know i love talking about on the show is having the right team around you and and you know what we've already spoke about how to vet your turnkey provider. So I think that's 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 very very key. And, and the, and the, and the one
0: other thing I just wanted to tell you real quick, and I meant to say this earlier. I apologize, Reed. Yeah. But you know, there's you know the one thing that that also any investor if they're going to work with the turnkey company should really kind of consider is it, it, it sounds like a positive thing, but you know it could also be looked at as a negative thing. Is is there's companies out there who Say, for example, you know, part of their business model is is there's a two-year rental guarantee and no property management expenses for two years and no leasing fees. And, I mean, it's like that all sounds fine and great, but I can't help but wonder what happens after that period. I just – we've never had to offer – ridiculous guarantees like that number one because i don't feel it's necessarily necessary you shouldn't have to do that so when i see companies who are in their advertising promo they're they're giving away the moon basically you have to kind of wonder man are they just gonna are, are they making so much profit off of this sale that they're gonna that they can't afford to cover these things and then you know what's gonna happen after that time period so you know, sure that in theory someone's gonna have a great experience for the first year or two because of all the guarantees, but then what really happens uh after that? It's like you can't even you can't even really gauge how good a company is until actually like two or three years after the first two years,
1: you know what right, I mean? Right, right. And and I think you you know, you, you alluded to this a little bit and what I like to see and it's inherent to what your business is you buy something distressed right it's making sure that when you're you're buying that property of a turnkey provider that you're not buying it over what the market would pay for it because if say something goes south, um, you want to be able to sell it and, and making sure that you're not taking a loss on that. So that goes back to what type of properties you're buying. Correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kurt. That you're buying them so far under market value. You're bringing them up to market value, and you know you're you're making uh, a bit of a profit there. But then the the investor is buying it at market value. Correct.
0: They're you know at market value or slightly less in those yep. cases and you know kind of what you just said too as far as you know investors wanting to be able to sell them at some point in time. I mean just another benefit if you're working with a legitimate turnkey company like myself. I'm a licensed realtor, so I have the ability to legally help investors at some point in time list their home on the MLS here and put it out to the. General public for sale, which a lot of smaller turnkey companies cannot do that because they're not licensed. They would just have to refer you to somebody, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I just feel like to take my profession, my business seriously, I'm a licensed realtor and I can help investors. Not just on the initial buy and investment property side from us, but I can also help them list it at some point in time to sell it as well.
1: Right. And that goes back to being, I know you don't like to say the word the one stop shop. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's important, I think, to have all those uh, boxes ticked when you're looking for a turnkey provider. They have. The ability to property manage, they have the GC, they have someone to help you on, on the, the the sale, and uh, and some people might be skeptical of that. You know, I know investors who are, oh, I don't know, why are they doing everything for me? But it goes back to making sure that you're getting credible reviews, you're getting some good references to call uh, around the place and in, in, in the local market. And, and another great, and I spoke speak about it a lot on here, is, is bigger pockets is very big here in, the, in in America, and you can quickly find out on, on bigger pockets if a local turnkey provider. Is credible or not? You can literally post something on their website, and someone will 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 hit you back saying yes, no, maybe, and, and that's another way to to vet it with this
0: digital age that we live in. Absolutely, you know just a, just a, just a you know final touch on what you just said. Bigger Pockets has been a fantastic uh, resource for us, but I think for for an investor looking to vet companies and and whatnot, it's it's such a fantastic tool for yep. investors. I mean, that site alone is probably one of the best sites out there for anybody who's in real estate investing. And I'll just kind of leave it at that because <laughs> you just need to go to the site and check it out.
1: And and we'll put all that in the show notes. And we've spoken a little bit uh, at length on, on other episodes. So Kurt, with all your experience in the US providing quality turnkey properties to investors, uh, I know you're primed to give me your top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. What's the most successful habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals?
0: I'd probably say creating daily and weekly goals lists. So I'm a, I'm kind of a detail type person. So every morning I come into the office or sometimes I even do it the night before. I'm going to, I'm going to write out everything that I need to do that day. And then I'm going to put everything else that comes after that under that. So just trying to make sure that I got my, 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 my daily list, my daily goal sheet in front of me. Um, and then I just try to work towards crossing off the list. I want to get everything off the list as I possibly can, but then I also have to fill the list up again. Right.
1: That's, and that's key, making uh, a goals list, or I like to say a to-do list because sometimes goals just turn into to-do lists. Correct. <laughs> What's the most influential tool
0: you use in your real estate business and why? Right at this moment, I'd probably say it's the CRM or the customer uh, relation management system that I use, and the one that I use is called Less Annoying CRM. Number one, it's it's cheap, but I you know you you wouldn't believe it, but in front of me, I'm sitting at my desk at my office, and I've got a I've got a four monitor system here in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because 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 one or two is not enough. Exactly, right? exactly. Uh, but and, on one and they're of my, so cheap. <laughs> exactly, it's to impress everybody that comes in. Uh, <laughs> but on one of my monitor screens is my less annoying. It's my CRM tracking system, so I can pull up clients. I can email clients through the system. I can I set reminders. I I can upload all my files for that particular client to their to their portal. And and the other thing that's kind of neat about the CRM is, is it, it it integrates with Mailchimp, which is what I use to. Send e blasts uh, when I send out, you know, maybe like a property of the week, or, or hey, here's a new podcast, or check out this article, or whatever. And in the way that those two um, programs integrate with each other, it's so much easier than the ones that I've used in the past before. So I'd probably say less annoying CRM right now is, along with Mailchimp, are the two. Most important programs that I use right now, from from what I guess you say, I do as a sales standpoint.
1: Right, right. I use Mailchimp all the time. It's a fantastic program. I haven't used that CRM, or I don't I don't use any CRM in, in my business at, at, at this point um, because I'm more on an investor by it, investor to investor relationship. But sure. I will have to check it out definitely, and we'll, I'll, I'll put a link in the uh, show notes below. Uh, Kurt, what's the most exciting project you're working on right now?
0: Well. At the moment it it may not sound too exciting but I'll tell you why it's exciting to me is that we have a you know like I said we we buy homes that need renovation and we fix them up right now we're working on a really nice property that we're gonna sell for right around ninety two thousand nine hundred with rents in the 975 range but what I find exciting about it is is that this was a house that needed a lot of work I think we're spending close to twenty thousand dollars in renovation everything from a new roof. Exterior paint, interior paint, updating both bathrooms, updating the kitchen, doing granite, light fixtures, uh, blinds, all new flooring. You know, and you're getting that
1: done for twenty grand.
0: (laughs) Yeah, believe it or not. the The reason why I say all that is is that for me personally, I like these types of houses because number one, in the end, I'm putting out a very good product that has a lot of new components to it, so the house looks great. It's fresh it's got great renovation done to it. And to me, that's what excites me is to be able to put that out. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, we do, we have bought homes in the past and we, and we do still buy houses like this where um, like, like just to give you an example, a normal roof on like a normal three tab shingle roof, for example, has an estimated 20 year lifespan. Well, we might buy a house that the roof is already 10 years old. So that means that there's another 10 years left to go. So it doesn't necessarily warrant needing to be replaced. So, I mean, that's good, but at the same time, you know, investors who like to factor in all these uh, vacancy calculations and capex and things like that, you know, to them the roof only has ten years left and not twenty. So, being able to make all these larger repairs and to really do a great renovation uh, is what I like the most. Now, it doesn't happen all the time because, like I said, you know, we buy houses also that are in, in in pretty good condition too. Sometimes they just need cosmetic. Uh, But I like the ones where I get to change out the HVAC system, the roof, uh, renovating kitchens and bathrooms. Those are the ones that I like right now. And we do have uh, one of those that's going on right now that I actually have some clients uh, in town tomorrow who's going to look at it
1: fantastic well that's that's incredible stuff and it's also back to the uh, when I first started when I moved to the United States, understanding all the different you know roof shingles and the types of issues that you buy when you're purchasing a house that may be uh, forty forty five years fifty years old and and what it what it needs to bring it up to sort of uh, a rent ready condition so to speak but uh, but great stuff who's the most influential person
0: in your career Kurt? You know I had to think about this one a little bit and you know there's been many people that I guess you could say that have kind of come and gone as far as influential but uh have you ever heard of Dave Ramsey? I have heard of Dave Ramsey. <laughs> yes. Uh, I worked with a gentleman who was actually related to Dave through marriage uh-huh. and and I was I was fortunate enough back in 2011 to be able to meet him uh up in Nashville, go to his office and do a private dinner at his massive home. It's like (laughs) on top of a mountain, (laughs) but he's, he's probably one. And even, and even before I had a chance to meet him, you know, I read some of his books, uh, the total money makeover and things like that. And from a, I guess he, I would say he's an influential person for me just from a, financial standpoint on how you know people should and try to manage their money and their debt and things like that so you know i apologize he's not uh maybe the the real estate investing mogul type person of what a lot of people think of but for me he's somebody that you know i guess i would strive to be like that even though i fail many many times <laughs> at trying to do what he does but I, I i enjoy uh what he does
1: i love all that sort of stuff when people Uh, have influences outside of real estate investing because real estate investing at the end of the day is just a vehicle uh, that that people use to create long-term wealth. You could do it in many different things, but there's a lot of other vehicles out there and different people who promote those vehicles are just understanding financial IQ and uh, how money works is very very important, and, and that is you take those principles. I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. He's got nothing to do with real estate, but he also helps with mindset and, and understanding how to create to-do lists. And you know, we talked about before, you know, to-do list making goals and uh, making sure that everything is tracked. Because when it comes back to your business, it's very very important to keep on top of those things. And they're they're people that influence myself and and yourself, Kurt. That are not necessarily related to real estate. So you know, I love that sort of stuff. Absolutely. And last question, mate, is where can people reach you to continue the conversation?
0: If somebody wants to reach me, they can reach me by email. You can email me at CRTDAVIS at gmail.com. You can call me direct at area code 605-310-7929. You know, like you said, you can check out my, you know, I've also got a, a podcast. You can check out Investor Talk Radio. You can find it on iTunes. Um, you can check us out on the web at buymemphisnow.com. That's B-U-Y memphisnow.com dot com fantastic well Kurt you are another
1: incredible guest you really provided some quality straightforward information you know because that's what we're all about on this show providing no BS info for investors so they can learn from the experts like yourself and then make an informed decision uh, when buying us real estate just to, you know just to recap on what the what we learned today you know we understood what, what the turnkey property is and that is buying something under market value you guys put in the renovations you you take care of everything you're a one-stop shop and you sell that to an international investor and and your job doesn't stop once you've sold it and that's probably the key difference with people who have got longevity in the turnkey business that you want to make sure that you have a repeat business and and if, if the way you do that is by making sure that the 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 buyer or the investor has the quality access to good property management. They have, you know, as you said, people on the ground who will pick up the phone and, uh, and ask you the right questions. So, so well done, mate. Uh, thanks for dropping by and chatting with us. Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. All right. Thank you so much. Wow. What another incredible, great show. Thanks to Kurt for dropping by. If you are an international investor considering single family turnkey properties as an investment here in the US, then shoot Kurt an email to find out a little bit more. Now, make sure you check out all the show notes for a summary of today's conversation with Kurt and any links we mentioned on today's show. A summary will always go up on my website at rsmpropertygroup.com. Just rem- remember to click on the podcast tab. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue growing your real estate investing knowledge, as that's what we're all about here on this show. Continue to grow your financial IQ. You can continue the conversation with myself by searching RSM Property Group on Facebook or Twitter or Reed Goosens, either or. And remember if you do like this show please give back by just jumping on itunes and subscribing and giving the show a five-star review it's quick it's easy and it helps us grow our reach across the globe and help international investors successfully invest in the u.s we'll do all this again next week so take care be safe and remember happy investing